Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 80 of Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for joining us. Now, this is the final episode of 2018 and the completion of my first full calendar year of podcasting. It's gone by fast. But at this very moment, as you're listening, regardless of what day or year it happens to be, I want to thank you for checking out this podcast. I know there are a lot of other ones out there, and I really appreciate that you're here. And if it's your first time tuning in, welcome. My guest today is an amazing tango dancer known for her technique and grace. As an instructor, she's known for her patience and attention to detail. She also has a strong background in ballroom dance and is a frequent participant in numerous performances and showcases. And joining me now from the great state of Michigan is Aaron Ray. Aaron, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. Great to be talking to you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. So, Aaron, how did you fall in love with tango? Well, I I actually started with ballroom dances, mm-hmm. and I was doing that for a little while. I met different people, mm-hmm. and they introduced me to tango teachers in our area, um, James Valentino. And so I actually started training to be a ballroom teacher with him. Mm-hmm. And basically, if, if you're going to teach at that studio, you have to learn tango. So <laughs> I just started learning from him and fell in love with it. Nice, nice. Did it come easily to you? It came pretty easily, although because of uh, I was training to be a teacher, I was mm-hmm. you know learning it multiple hours a day, for at least in the beginning. So I think that really you know, made it a lot easier to get over that beginner hump. So what was your very first tango lesson like? I feel like they all kind of blend together, but (laughs) uh, it was, uh, I think, a lot of, like, walking and and just seeing, like, being aware of what leg you're on kind of thing, like Mm -hmm. being able to stay on that leg and, and not feel like you need to go other places. Yeah. Yeah, which is not really that easy at first, but... You know, once right. you get it, it feels great. Yeah. How about your very first dance at a Malanga? What was that like? That was, I mean, I, I kind of started going to the Malangas as soon as I started learning, mm-hmm. um, or maybe even before. Okay. So I got thrown in, and um, <laughs> I liked the challenge. So um, it was just nice, you know, being able to try mm-hmm. to, to follow whatever, whatever anyone, uh, you know, was bringing. It was fun. So what was it about tango specifically that, that appealed to you once you started doing it? I think un- unlike uh, a lot of the other dances, the tango is much more subtle mm-hmm. and much more connection-based. So there's no you know set timing. There's no You don't know with any certainty what is going to be done next, yeah. which uh, I really enjoyed. Also kind of like a challenge uh, aspect to it, uh, but then just trying to find those moments where you can dance together mm-hmm. as, as like one one person. Yeah. So yeah, you were training to be a teacher. When did you start teaching right away as you were learning or did that come a little Pretty later? Pretty much. So I was kind of learning and then next week or two, I was trying to teach what I was learning. Wow. Yeah. Uh, which... For for me, that actually, I think, helped my learning mm-hmm. just because then I had to explain mm-hmm. what I was 
trying to figure out mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. 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 When you teach something, it really does help your understanding. And yeah, oftentimes like we, we talk about on this podcast, uh, ways for advanced students to help beginner students, you know, sort of as a, as a community building thing, but also because, you know, teachers aren't always around, it might kind of be intimidating to always go to the teacher. So in your opinion, Aaron, what are, what are some really good ways for our more experienced students to help the newbies? Some of it is just at Malangas or classes, just being welcoming, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get to know them a little bit mm-hmm. and then giving them help and in the classes if they're struggling with something and no one else is there to help mm-hmm. or taking them for a tanda, even though, you know, it's, it might be a struggle, you know, you're, you, you were there at, at one point mm-hmm. trying to figure things out too. So, mm-hmm. um, just help, help build, yeah. build the community. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, just remembering what it was like to be at that stage. That's uh that's really, that's really useful. Yeah. So Aaron, during your own, learning process was there any really good or memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your other teachers or at festivals that really stuck with you there's a lot of good things um sometimes uh, you know throughout your journey you hear things that you needed to hear at that that point or whatever to push yourself i think a couple of things as a as a follower just learning to be uh patient I think especially in the beginning, we want to know where we're going next. Mm -hmm. And more so, it's important to know where we are so that we can then go somewhere from that point. And then the other is has helped me with the musicality, Mm -hmm. partly just listening to a lot of tango Mm -hmm. and, and also trying to follow a, a line or you know, try to pick out where what you would want to emphasize in your dance mm. as you're listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then once you get more comfortable with that, then that can translate more easily on the, into your dancing. Yeah, I know, Aaron. as a teacher, you, you know both roles as leader and follower, but how do you help other followers in understanding musicality? I mean, we, you, you have to start simple, mm-hmm. being able to emphasize the beat with whatever the leader is doing so Mm -hmm. as as our job is especially with maybe more beginner leaders Mm -hmm. is to try to help them feel that beat and be on that beat as much as we can and then from there you can try to find the space between what they're doing to add your own feeling Mm -hmm. to the music yeah yeah because often when i talk to leads about this it's it's a little bit, I don't want to say easier, but it's a little, little more clearer for them because they are putting the choreography in in action. But right, yeah. But the followers got a really, really big role in that as well. With the musicality, you're not just hanging on for the ride. <laughs> you know, you got it. You're active. Yeah, you want to be active. Yeah, yeah. So over the years, Aaron, what have you learned from your own students? I think sometimes you know you see the issues that you have mm-hmm. in your students uh-huh. and it's easier to like diagnose and fix them when it's somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then you can step back and, and try and use what you're, 
telling them mm-hmm. in your own in your own dance. Yeah, a while back I was I was interviewing a musician and he gives music lessons and then when he would correct the student, he would think to himself, "Wait a minute, do I do that too?" So, <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to almost sort of diagnose our own our own issues sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I noticed, Aaron, you you participate in a huge number of performances. So what are some things, in your opinion, to keep in mind when it comes to performing that's different from dancing socially? I think one of the main differences between performing and social dancing Mm -hmm. is the size or the the energy that you bring to the dance. Mm-hmm. Because you have to fill so much more space and you're the only ones on the floor, mm-hmm. you want to create more energy, more sh- sharpness, more change of dynamic mm-hmm. to be able to show up from a far away. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, socially, you're dancing more for yourself and your partner. Mm-hmm. So it's not as important and you don't always have the space yeah. to have big movements yeah. and create a lot of high energy. Mm-hmm. Do you have any personal strategies for, for preparing for a performance? I mean, mo- most of the time when um, I'm performing, it's not to a, a choreography. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's just improvised. So just trying to, you know, be more comfortable with whoever, whoever I'm dancing with. So preparing by just warming up and getting into the the mood of the malanga or whatever we are wherever you know we're dancing Mm -hmm. what are some things about performing that you really enjoy i think the the biggest reason why i like to perform is being able to connect with people Mm -hmm. and have them experience the dance in a different way Mm -hmm. my performance makes them like tango more Mm -hmm. than then I've done a good job, I think. Yeah. Do you remember your first performance? Um, first tango performance? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. It was nerve-wracking and uh, funny to go in and watch it, <laughs> you know, and see like, oh, how far you have come, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you still get the nerves now, just before? Yeah, I do. I, I'm not sure that that will ever go away, yeah. but deal with it yourself you know you've done this before it'll be okay yeah 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 i hear that often from from a lot of people who've had years of experience just before they go out on the on the dance floor for a performance they still get a little jittery but once they start they're fine but yeah right and um you know i have people who tell me you know it just shows that you you care about what you do so you want to do it well and Mm -hmm. do you also train students to perform i have done uh, a little bit of that not too much Mm mm-hmm I've done some a few performances with students. Yeah, so I know you're taking a, a short break because uh, you know giving your shoulder a rest. But um, when you are working on rehearsing or teaching, how do you keep challenging yourself? I think you need to kind of try and find new ideas, whether that's mm-hmm. going to different classes or taking a private lesson with some visiting instructor or getting new perspective on what you think you already know Mm -hmm. that helps challenge you know whenever a visiting instructor comes in it's usually well let's work on your walk some more or something simple embrace critique things that we think we have sometimes and it's always good to 
to push and dig deeper in those things. Yeah. So there's always something new to learn when it comes to this dance. So even though you've had so much experience, Erin, is there something that new that you've learned recently? Well, recently I did just have a private with Donato Juarez and uh, we worked a lot on um, on my axis. So mm-hmm. just staying, making sure I'm staying on, on my axis where I should and not, you know, going too far or mm-hmm. not enough. And, and so, I don't know, I think that has been my uh, focus of you know since then just trying to be more even more present on on that yeah i mean with the axis even though you know really experienced there's there's always something to fine-tune isn't there right always never ending yeah yeah yeah. so yeah but it's it's fun once you really feel that difference it, it does help your dancing so yeah, once you get back into dancing, Aaron, I know that's going to be soon. Are there any future projects or performances that you're working on? Uh, well, I have a, a couple more performances at different holiday things um, in the next week. But I, at, at this point, I'll probably be starting just with private lessons, mm-hmm. you know, after the holidays. And we'll see, see what comes from that and where it goes. Yeah, do you also DJ? I have done a little um, DJing, just kind of a, a baby at that, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you think you'll be getting more into that at some point? It's in the, it's in the plans. I have to uh, get my music collection figured out. <laughs> okay, Aaron. so where do we find out more about you online? I am just starting to uh, put together a, a Facebook page for my dance so they can um, search for me on there and then eventually I'll probably have a you know a website but not happened yet. <laughs> okay. There are students listening who are either thinking of taking classes at a festival for the first time or taking a workshop from a visiting instructor, you know, someone other than their regular teacher. So what advice do you have for them in order to get the most out of the new experience? Sure. I think it's important for them to remember because sometimes it can be really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You're not going to remember everything that the teacher says or be able to incorporate everything that they say right now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's better to focus on a few things that you can incorporate now and try to really ingrain those rather than trying to fit every little thing that they say into your brain. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and if you take a video of what they did in the review, you can always uh, refer back to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's your personal strategy for for remembering a lot of information? Because I know some teachers, they're really focused on a few things. It's easy to remember, but some teachers get really excited. They they throw a whole bunch of stuff at us. What's your own personal method of of keeping track of things? I try to uh, kind of think about things in the bigger topic. Mm -hmm. So if they're talking about embrace, trying to figure out how how to connect the things that they're talking about into sort of more of a unified theme, if you will, mm-hmm. just so that it's easier to remember one narrative than trying to remember just a little, little pieces of advice. Mm, okay. Okay. All right, Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to me. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And I think their listening audience will really appreciate what you have to say. Okay, great. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Okay, it was nice to catch up with Erin. When talking about the follower's role, I liked what she said about the importance of being patient 
And yes, it's something we've touched upon before, but worth mentioning again. As followers, we don't know what's going to happen next, and being able to focus and wait is a skill. It's not passive. It's an important part of the dance. I also liked what Aaron said about follower musicality, that the follower has to emphasize the beat of the music in a way that works with what the leader is doing. And with less experienced leaders, followers, by being on beat, can sometimes help the leader get a better feel for the music. And there are things followers can add between beats as well. So Aaron gives us a few examples of why being a follower is more active than tango students may realize at first. And another thing that stuck out to me was when we touched upon the topic of self-improvement. I like what Aaron said about digging deeper into what you think you already know. It's not that you've been wrong this whole time, it's that there are more layers to explore. And in addition to reviewing our fundamentals, it can be really helpful to look at them from other perspectives. So thank you again, Aaron, for your time and for sharing your thoughts. And thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch for any reason, feel free to send an email to wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. Always appreciate that feedback. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, so you never miss an episode. And while you're at it, go ahead and give it a five-star rating and review. That helps as well. Okay, that wraps up episode 80 of Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.